Hey everyone and welcome back to All Things True Crime with Bridget Parker. I am Bridget and today we have a very special guest with us. We have the lovely Monique Patterson who is the author of the new book United in Grief. Hey Monique, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. Hope everyone else is uh, having a great night. I hope so too. So we are at 9 p.m. Eastern time in America. So what what's today? So it'll be Friday night there. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll just wait for them all to sort of load in and um, yeah, of come course. in. Um, thank you so much for speaking with me and congratulations on your book coming out. That's so exciting. Yeah, it it is exciting. It's sort of a surreal feeling at the moment. Um I just mentioned to you a minute ago that I don't actually have a physical copy yet. It's in the mail, yeah. so probably it doesn't feel quite real yet, but once I have that, then I'm sure it'll kind of sink in. Um, I'm just really hoping that um, in some small way that I've done justice to the legacy of Stephanie Scott, who just touched the lives of every single person she ever met, whether it be for a minute or you know, friends that she'd had for, for years and years. I I really agree. I think this is one of the cases in Australia that for me I think of when I think of Australian crimes, I think she's – and she's one of the first cases I ever covered because I, I just – everyone has said such lovely things about her that you can't not feel for her and her family as well. It's so true. And look um, – I'm sure that everyone's aware that when someone does pass away, of course people are going to say nice things, but the this was like something I've never, ever experienced before. I've been a journalist for, you know, over 15 years and just the outpouring of emotion, the way that she touched so many lives, everyone just thought she was this ray of sunshine, like, and she was just this amazing character that, she just always put others first. Um, you know, she was one of these people. She was a teacher and um, she knew how to uh, make a joke at her own expense. And she did that because she always wanted other people to feel comfortable. And if that meant, you know, poking fun at herself, then she was more than happy to do that. She was just so caring. Yeah. And and every time I've seen a photo of her, she seems so happy and she's always smiling yeah. and she has the most beautiful smile. So I want to welcome everyone in. So a big hello to China Cat Sunflower, Samantha Jane. Uh, we have an, a Stephanie S here in the chat. So that's um, a coincidence. Hey, Jay Suarez. Uh, hello, Faithful One. Alison Loves Animals. Julia. Welcome in, everyone. I hope that you are having a good day or night where you are. Don't forget to share this out, if you can, on your social media, on your Facebook and your Twitter for us. So I think what we'll do is we'll get started and chat a little bit about the case first and about what happened to Stephanie. Um, Mm. So can you give us a little brief sort of synopsis on the case as a whole? Of course I can. Well, basically um, what happened was, at the time, I was living in Griffith in New South Wales. Um, I was the editor of the newspaper there. I was also the editor of the paper in Leeton. Leeton is a 40-minute drive from Griffith. Um, so what happened was, is that the way that I found out about it was that one of the journalists who works in Leeton, she rang me and she said, look, we've been contacted by 
um, a local resident and she wants us to put up a story on our website because their friend has gone missing. And she said um, her fiancé had been out of town um, and he came home and Stephanie was nowhere to be found. Basically what had happened, her fiancé, Aaron Leeson Woolley, he went to their hometown of Canoundra on a weekend. It was uh, Easter Saturday. Um, they were to be married the following Saturday. And what happened was Stephanie said, look, Aaron, I'm not going to come with you to the party because I want to go into work. She was a, a teacher at Leeton High School. I want to go into work and I want to do some final preparations for the substitute teacher. The substitute teacher was going to take over for her when her and Aaron were going on their honeymoon. So basically what happened, she'd stayed in contact with Aaron um, and on the Sunday she went and saw a work colleague. She didn't have a key to work um, and she went to school and she was there doing some final prep. She was so, um, you know, she, she wanted to make sure that her students didn't miss out in any way because she wasn't going to be there for a period of time. Um, she didn't think that there'd be anyone at the school because there wasn't supposed to be anyone at the school. However, um, she saw a cleaner whose name was Vincent Stanford there at the school when she was doing her final preparation. Um, so basically what happened was uh, I think she was set to leave the school about uh, shortly before lunchtime, I think, and she wished Vincent a happy Easter. Now... The next thing that happened is that Aaron tried to call her and text her and didn't get any responses. He got home that night. They were supposed to go out for dinner. He couldn't find Stephanie. He rang friends and tried to find out where she was and uh, didn't get any answer. Um, the next day, she still wasn't home. It was totally out of character. And so he rang her family who was also very uh, worried about Stephanie. Um, so they then reported her missing to police. The friends came to the irrigator and reported her missing. Um, now, as is always the case in people that follow true crime, they first looked to the people closest to her and began to ask questions of Aaron. Um, there, there was some speculation that possibly because she was about to be married, that maybe she'd gotten cold feet and had um, decided to take off for a while. Um, I actually was given the opportunity to talk to Aaron because the family was so keen to get out there. They wanted everyone to look out for Stephanie. They thought maybe, maybe she's had a car accident somewhere and there's irrigation channels everywhere. Perhaps she's um, you know, had an accident needs help. So I spoke to Aaron and any you know, tiny bit of doubt that I had as to whether he might have been involved was quickly uh, squashed for me. Yeah. I asked him really personal questions. You know, I asked him, uh, have, her bank have her bank accounts been touched? And he didn't hesitate in answering any of the questions. Um, so what then happened was that uh, later that week, the police set about talking to anyone that may have seen Stephanie Scott. 
someone had seen Vincent Stanford's car at the school. He was interviewed by police. Now, yep. when the police officer came back to uh, the station and gave his uh, Vincent statement to a detective, the detective noticed that he'd said that on Sunday he'd been to a supermarket at Leighton and that was where he said he was at the time. It was later found out that, um, that and this detective, it was a red flag for him because he knew that the supermarket had been closed that day. Yeah. So basically that's sort of where it got to the point where police then began to um, connect the dots and um, took Vincent in. Yeah, and he I've seen the I've seen some of the interviews, not the initial interview I don't think, but mm-hmm. I have seen some of the interviews and it's chilling listening to him. In one of the interviews I know he has like a smile on his face. Mm-hmm. In a sense. It does. And it it uh, oh, <laughs> there really aren't words. I, I did include some of the interview in my video if you haven't gone and watched you can guys, but yeah, he has a smile on his face um, and he remembers every detail in such um, and he's so quick to recall all details, um, which I found interesting as well, except for the engagement ring, but that was just a lie. Um, yeah. Well, he, oh, he, yeah, you're right. It's chilling when you watch it. And um, to me, the fact that he told police that he doesn't really think about what happened at all as if it was just not you know just nothing to him what he had done um it's also chilling that we later found out that um the first thing uh what what he did was after he had killed stephanie at the school which we we did find out um before coming back to clean up the school he went home and ate a sandwich I know, yeah. He he said that he went about his day, went home, yep. had lunch, mm-hmm. and then came back. And it's just, yes. Oh, uh, it's just so. He's Horrific. he's one that actually, uh, not scares me, but he he creeps me out. I will say that, um, because he just doesn't seem to care at all. Um, he, he doesn't, and I think that it's good that the police were able to. Um, find out that it was him so quickly, although yeah. it didn't seem quickly at the time for everyone that lived in the area. It was terrifying. But yeah. the reason being is that he'd actually been stalking a number of other people, including a young girl. I know. And, and that was actually one of my questions was, yeah. did, did that, did the 12, so he was stalking a 12-year-old and she yeah. – Thankfully, was away with her family. It was Easter, so she she was away. He had plans to abduct her, but did she ever find out that that happened? I know her family did, but I wasn't sure if the twelve year old was aware. It's a good question, and I I don't actually know the answer. I mean, I guess it'd just be a matter of whether the parents had told her because obviously, you know, all details about her were suppressed. So I guess it'd just be a matter of whether someone had told her but yeah it'd be something that you'd you'd have nightmares about wouldn't you yeah yeah so you mentioned that you are a journalist so that's how you were obviously involved with the cases that you were reporting on it um 
whilst it was happening, which I think I can't imagine that that would have been, I know that it was your job, but I can imagine that that would have been very difficult to deal with because of how public it was as well. You know what, you're you're right. And it is such a hard thing to do because um, you have this real sense of guilt because even though some people have a very bad view of journalists and like in every industry, there are bad journalists. We're people and we get affected by things as well. Um, But on the other hand, you feel like you have no right to be affected by it. Yeah. Uh, You you know, like um, I'm talking to all these people that are so devastated by Stephanie's death and they're very close to her and their family and friends and they knew her. And I didn't know her. I wish I, I wish I had known her personally. I didn't know her, but it's affecting me deeply. And you feel this guilt. You think I have no right to feel like this. Um, it also really affected me in a way that uh, because I was the editor of the newspaper, it was all consuming this case, but you still had to get on with other parts of your job. And you felt like people were complaining about minute things in their lives and you think you've got nothing to complain about think about stephanie think about stephanie think about stephanie's family it was yeah it was it was really difficult and yet we owed it to stephanie and the family to to try and encourage people to be looking out for stephanie i mean everyone was just so hopeful that she would be found um Sadly, everyone that knew her, they they knew from the start that she she didn't get cold feet. She absolutely was looking forward to her wedding. She told her students that it was just going to be the happiest day of her life. Yeah, she, I mean, she was at the school preparing yeah. preparing the classes so that she could, you know, because she was such a great teacher and wanted to do that, but so that she could go and you know, go on her honeymoon and yeah. and be with her new husband. That's so, right. And I think she she spoke to her sister the night before and said yeah. how excited she was. She sure did. Yeah. yeah. Um. So why why did you decide to write a book about Stephanie and and her family and the town of Leighton? Because I felt like I didn't really feel like a choice. I felt like I had to do it. Because I just, as I said, the impact that Stephanie had on so many people's lives was unlike anything I'd ever witnessed before. And aside from that, it was the way that it totally, I mean, the town of Leeton is a small town of about 11,000 people. East is forever changed in a way that they would, you know, they would wish had never happened. Yeah. Uh, it was a it was a small country town. People weren't worried to walk down the street at night. People honestly, and I know you don't hear this very often, but people honestly left their doors unlocked. Yeah. And these people were now frightened. They they were on edge and wondering if circumstances had been different, whether they may have been the one that uh, Vincent snapped and, and killed them. 
Yeah. I guess um, so. You asked why did I write the book? I just, I just think it felt like I always thought it was something that I had to do, and um, yeah, I eventually just decided now's now's the time to do it. Yeah, and everyone, so that everyone knows, the book is United in Grief. It is available on Amazon through paperback or Kindle. The link is in the chat and in the description of the video. I actually have read it. I read it this week and it was it is beautifully written. I find that sometimes with true crime books, they're very, uh, very sort of factual but a little too stuffy for my liking. I really like when um, it's a little bit more of a... I don't know what the style is, but I just found that it, it flowed really beautifully um, and I could tell that you had such respect for not only Stephanie and her family but for the entire community as well. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how, um, how, why you wanted to stay so respectful during this? Um, the main reason is for Stephanie's family. Stephanie's family... Uh, I mean, I guess if I had known Stephanie, I know that she would have been exactly the same. People always amaze me in some sometimes in the way that they deal with tragedy. Their, her family was stoic to to almost to a fault. I mean, this family had just endured what no one should ever do before. I'm going to give you the first example, and it was the first in so many things that this family did for that community that had embraced their daughter, their sister, their fiancé. So sadly what happened was on the Friday, the day before Stephanie was to marry Aaron, it was revealed that Stephanie Scott's body had been found at Cocopara National Park. Now that's um, sort of between Leeton and Griffin. So on the night before... Stephanie was supposed to marry Aaron and have all these family and friends that were coming from all over and even from overseas. Her body was actually being recovered from Cocopara National Park. Yeah. Now, what her family did was they decided that, that we're not going to have the wedding tomorrow, obviously. What we're going to do is we're going to invite all Leeton residents to come to Mountford Park, which is the gardens at Leeton, and have a celebration of Stephanie's life with us. Now, that's on the day that their murdered daughter was supposed to be married. And what they wanted to do was to bring some comfort to residents who had been touched by Stephanie, and they invited them to come and join them. And no one would have blamed them if they had decided to go in their house and close the doors and shut the blinds and block out the world. But they did the exact opposite. And the way, in doing that and then in being so receptive to the community every time the community wanted to pay tribute to Stephanie in some way after her death, they really helped the community begin to heal. And I guess um, that is why... I named my book United in Grief because that's what I saw happen after her death. Yeah, and the strength that her family and Aaron had um, 
they were i feel like they were the they were the glue in a sense and showed people how to act and 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 allowed them allowed the community to grieve as well which is just incredible that they actually um they did that because you know you'd think that it would be the other way around but they were just so so strong they were so strong and um the residents in Leeton and school students, uh, they made a memorial for Stephanie at the Leeton High School on the fence. Stephanie's favourite colour was yellow and there was a sea of yellow ribbons, teddy bears, flowers, candles that adorned the fence. Um, so the community of Leeton, they decided to have a bit of a, a vigil one night for Stephanie after uh, it was confirmed that she was um, had been murdered and uh, just as they had it was supposed to be a wedding um, the family and Aaron came out and they joined the vigil which was just an incredible show of strength and they also showed their strength every time they had to go into a courtroom and hear vile details of um the shocking last moments of stephanie's life which were absolutely horrific yeah that's right um and i think you you speak about it so well in the book as well because you're like i said very respectful about it um you i feel like you it was almost like you were writing the book um so that if her family would read it that they wouldn't be triggered or or upset because you you handled the brutality of the crime really well i felt that That's, you did i appreciate you say that look that family does not deserve one second more um you know any more pain they have gone through more than anyone ever deserves to be. And the sad thing is in this world that often it's the best people that have to endure the worst that this world has to offer, which is, you know, just a tragedy in itself. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it really, really is. Um, so can you, we've talked a little bit about it, but the, the town of Leighton is obviously a very small town. Um, and I think you mentioned that there's, there's never really crime there um as well yeah i think um you know when i was the editor of the newspaper i mean you know we'd contact the police regularly and the biggest thing that used to really happen at least and i mean there might be a few you know sort of break-ins um to homes usually not when anyone's there i don't remember reporting on any aggravated burglaries but perhaps you know break-ins at homes but the thing that we were mostly reporting on was there were two nightclubs at Leeton and, you know, people would have a few too many beers and get into a bit of a ruckus um, after the pub. That was, that was that it. Was, I'm in Leeton. Wow. <laughs> you know, a few, a few mates would have a few too many and get in an argument perhaps about a, a girlfriend or something like that. So, yeah, yeah that, that was it. So it's a place you would definitely want to raise your children as well because you felt 100%. it was so safe. And so tight-knit, you know. Like I, I write in the book 
that um, you know people when they walk down the street they always allow more time because everyone knows everyone they're going to stop they're going to have a chat uh, so very tight knit and very welcoming the the community was actually even uh, even welcomed the Stanfords when they moved to Leeton with open arms yeah even even though the Stanfords who had moved to um, Leeton I think they'd only been there for about a year they they were a pretty quiet family they didn't really um, mix with other members of the community but Leeton residents didn't didn't um, judge them for that you know they had neighbors that would help them out when they needed to they had uh, you know drawers full of uh, borrowed utensils from neighbors so that's just the kind of town Leeton is. And is it still like that um, now because there's obviously is there a lasting um, effect that this has had on the town? Yeah, there is definitely a lasting impact. I I don't think that anyone living there will ever be the same again. Um, I think that people are, are more cautious than they were before because, you know, you often hear that people always say, particularly in small towns, we never thought something like this would happen in our town. And it did. Yeah. And the perpetrator Vincent Stanford he could have potentially gone on to kill other people as well that's that seems like what his plans were so a hundred percent it's had a lasting impact without a doubt I think he would have been a serial killer without a doubt yes to me absolutely no remorse so speaking of him and and his family being in Leeton are they is his mother and older brother still living in Leighton or have they moved? They moved shortly after it happened. Okay. Um, I think that they, they, they left because they couldn't deal with, I guess, living there and I could understand that. Um, I know that they were very helpful uh, with the police. Yep. They, from the beginning, they did everything they could to help. Um, and I know that, uh, Vincent's mum, he she spoke with the mayor of Leighton, and she said, "Can you please, you know, pass on my sincere condolences to Stephanie?" So um, that was something that you know possibly is a bit unexpected, but yeah, I believe that they they moved away, and I, to my knowledge, they haven't spoken about it since. Um, and Marcus, which is Vincent's twin brother, I, he lives, I think, perhaps in South Australia with his dad. Um, now, that's another facet of the case, yeah. which was an unexpected twist. Uh, and Marcus is now someone who some people believe should be behind bars now. Yeah. Uh, for his role in, uh, he was charged with being an accessory to murder after the fact. Yeah. Um, I'm going to leave that as a teaser for everyone to go and, and <laughs> read your, your book to see more right. about that because that's really, really interesting and that's something that uh, I think a lot of people wonder whether he had more to do with it than than we know of. Um so I'm going to make everyone go and 
and read the book United in Grief to find out more about that. Um, the link is in the description of the video and in the chat as well if you're over on YouTube. Um, and I wanted to welcome in Tori and Alan. Welcome in. So this isn't a case out of Australia. This happened in the town of Leeton. Um, and oh, Samantha said she's Samantha said she's bought the book. Awesome! It's a really beautiful book. I I would never say that um, just to say it. I I'm very tough on true crime books, um, and I really loved the writing style. One of my favorite true crime books of all time is "I'll Be Gone in the Dark" by Michelle McNamara. Yes, I love the style of writing. I love that. I love when true crime authors will not only give facts but will also put emotion into book into a book and you absolutely did that in this book um and showed so much respect as well thank you um a lot of people are asking and they keep asking if it will be available on audible you know what i have been asked that um at this stage there aren't any uh immediate plans but you know what if people are interested I will tell my publisher that um, I've had three people ask this week. Okay. Yeah, uh, I actually do love listening to books on Audible as well. So I say I, I vote too. for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, moving back on to a little bit more about Vincent, did you con did you ever have contact with him or any of his family members whilst writing the book? No, I didn't. Um, so. Basically, when I found out that there'd been an arrest um, in relation to uh, Stephanie's death, I'd never heard of him. Um, there were a lot of people, as I said, people were very welcoming of his family, but there were still a lot of people that had no idea who that was. Yeah. You know, it, was it was said that elite resident is from Stanford has been arrested and people were just sort of shaking their heads thinking we don't know that name so I only know um what I've heard and what I've seen of him in the police interviews and as he said he comes across as very cold uh very remorseless uh and yeah it actually send a, sends chills down your spine to to watch him and it did also when we saw him on video link in the court yeah he just seemed really unaffected by it all so you, how often were you in court for this uh it's a good question um i probably uh, it was probably i probably went to court for this you know a handful of times like maybe five or six and as people probably know, with the wheels of justice, they turn very slowly. Yeah. It's really hard to see Stephanie's family because they would all come into court. They There would be Marilyn, Stephanie's mum, Robert, Stephanie's dad, Aaron, and then a number of her siblings. They would all come and they'd sit in court. And I remember the first time that I went to court in Griffith, uh, they all came in. And basically, uh, I think Vincent's solicitor spoke for a minute and the case was immediately adjourned. And yeah. this had already been months since her death. And I remember looking at Marilyn and she just said, is that it? Yeah. And then they were forced to go probably another six months before there's another hearing. 
So probably, you know, five or six times I went to court and they were always there. Like they always had been, they were very stoic. Um, just their strength was incredible. Yeah. And I, I found out, um, sadly, that Stephanie's father passed away in a freak accident. I don't know if I'd know. I, I don't remember knowing that um, mm. before. Was and that was so sad. So sad. So what happened was um, I'm just trying to remember when it was. It was probably, I think it was a year after Stephanie had died. And um, in another twist, we found out that Vincent uh, had, his solicitor had um, said that he was considering appealing his life sentence for the murder. Yeah. Which was absolute slap in the face for Stephanie's family, obviously. Um, and shortly after that, which would have been hard, bad news for them, um, yeah, we found out that Robert, in a freak accident on the family property, was killed when a tree fell on him. Yeah, it's just, there aren't really words. It's just so tragic to have yeah. have them both within such a short space of time pass away. Um, and I just felt so, so bad for Stephanie's mum. I, I don't know how she's... I don't know how she's doing at the moment and I hope she's doing well. I just uh, feel for her so much. I do too. And she was so incredibly strong and she spoke about Stephanie uh, twice in court in victim impact statements and she spoke so beautifully about her daughter and about how her daughter was, as I said, you know, a ray of sunshine and she was so many things to so many people. And she always put everyone else's feelings before her own. Yeah. Um, did you have any contact with any of Stephanie's loved ones before or during writing the book? Um, I have spoken to Kim um, prior to prior to starting to write the book. So I interviewed him um, when I was writing for the newspaper. Um, I believe that she may be living overseas now and I have reached out to her to let her know about the book and I haven't heard back. But when I interviewed Kim, um, she really made me feel like her and Stephanie had a similar connection that I have with my sister. Yeah. Um, she said that her and Stephanie just were always laughing together. They had so much fun. She said that um, Stephanie and Aaron had gone on an overseas trip um I think it was about six months before and and Kim said to her Stephanie I I know something really good is going to happen on this trip I can just feel it and that's when Aaron proposed to her yeah I um, loved that I loved hearing about <laughs> that it was so lovely yeah so when I spoke to Kim she said absolutely beautiful things about her sister and she just said to me which I totally understood she said I just want to talk about Stephanie I don't want to talk about um, what happened or or Vincent, obviously. Yeah. But she, you could just hear the smile in her voice when she spoke about Stephanie, as you could with any single person I ever spoke to about Stephanie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and are the family aware that the book has come out? I believe so, but um, I haven't personally heard from them. Are you interested in hearing from them? 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I guess that's sort of a bit of a challenge. Um, I find that as well, and I'm like on a, a really small scale, is you want to sort of report on on yeah. these things and you want to be as respectful as possible, but um, sometimes the families um, are very, obviously it's still very raw for them, so it's hard to sort yeah. of maintain of that. Course. That sort of it middle is, middle ground, I guess. Difficult. It is very difficult. And um, as a journalist, you know, like you do your very best. I always do my very best to try and be as respectful as I can in these situations. You know, like sadly, I often have to call people um, to, who have just lost a family member to see whether they do want to talk to me to do in some way, some small way a tribute to their family member. Um, and, you know, sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no, sometimes they're very angry at you, but more often than not, if you do write a tribute to their family member, there is some point in time when they do um, express that they're grateful for that. Well, that's, but, that's good. Yeah, yeah, and I know that... Um, you know, as I said, I don't. Uh, the last thing I would ever want to do is to bring any more pain to this family who's been through more than anyone should ever have to endure. Yeah. And as I said, it's a sick, sad world because this is this family is the best you could ever find, and they've been through so much, which is not fair. Um, but as I said, I I didn't really feel like. I made the decision to write the book. I just, there was just this nagging thing that told me that I needed to write a book to, in some way, some small way, if I can, to, I guess, pay tribute to the amazing person that Stephanie was. And you absolutely did that because there's so many um, people in the book that talk about how wonderful she was and. I've never heard a negative word spoken about her at all. <laughs> I don't think there would ever have been a negative word spoken about Stephanie Scott. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the book is just, it's very respectful, but it also gives everyone the facts that they they need in knowing about the crime as well. Yeah. Um, what do you think, so if if Vincent Stanford was ever to be released and that's not going to happen, I think mm-hmm. that I think that the judge actually mentioned that he wouldn't because of, safety concerns but how do you think that the 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 community of Leeton would react to that he he would not be able to return to Leeton there there is no way that anyone in any shape or form would allow that to happen I'm not saying that people would become vigilantes but he it would be very clear that he is most certainly not welcome yeah of course of course um, yeah, so, so Jace Suarez in the chat said, didn't women hang their wedding dresses outside their homes in remembrance of Stephanie? They absolutely did. I I remember that happening. I think the hashtag was put your dress out. I think That's that was, right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. It was also, amazing. Um, brides wore a, a touch of yellow. Yeah, if they were getting married on her wedding day. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Favourite colour. Yeah. Why do you think that the case gripped, gripped Australia? Uh, because she was, um, she could have been your sister, your friend, your daughter. Uh, she was just a typical 
uh, young woman who was about to get married. She was a school teacher. She was a school teacher because she wanted to help, um, you know, teach the next generation. She was, she could have been, you know, yeah, as I said, she could have been your friend, your sister. And I guess that's, that's why it gripped so many people. And in addition to that, it's not an incident that happened in, you know, perhaps a, a very bad suburb in a, in a big uh, city yeah. of Australia. It's a, it's a small town where, as I said, they probably just left the door unlocked in case someone wanted to pop in for a coffee unexpected. Yeah. And sadly, I don't think they do that anymore. No. No. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about the book before we wrap it up? Um, I'm just thinking. I guess, uh, yeah, oh, I guess you mentioned briefly about Marcus Stanford and one thing that I did want to tell people about Marcus and you can, if you want to read the book, you'll find out his role was, um, that wondered whether he, like his twin brother, had any remorse about his involvement in the horrific uh, tragedy and I remember one of the things that made me the most angry when I was covering uh, this case in my job was that in court um, when Marcus came up on the video link from the jail that he was in he was laughing and joking with one of the prison officers oh my gosh Stephanie's family saw that and it made my blood boil and I wondered whether he, like his brother, also was remorseless. I think when when he was released, didn't he make a statement? Um, yes, he but, said it was mis- misplaced loyalty. Yeah, that was the that was the terminology. Um, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I really don't know in that regard. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I you really agree. <laughs> yeah, I I can't imagine being there and and having wit- having to witness him laughing with yeah. her, her family there. That's just uh, yeah. I I would be very angry as well. Yes, I I certainly was. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and for talking about Stephanie and about your book as well. Like I said, I I genuinely really enjoyed it. Um it was such an easy true crime read because it was so well written um are you interested in maybe doing more true crime books in the future yeah i would i would like to do more true crime books um and i guess you know if anyone has a story that they think needs to be told i'd be interested to hear from people we should start a list Yes. (laughs) But thank you again, Monique, for um, talking to me. So everyone, in the description you will find the link to United in Grief. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it through Kindle. Is it going to be through iBooks at all? Uh, iTunes? No, uh, iBooks, so like the Apple. I, I know that it's on iTunes. Let me quickly, whilst we're on, let me have a little look. Okay. And see if it is. Some people prefer. Um, yeah, sure. That. But I, I honestly will um, let my publisher know. It is. It is. People want an audio book. Yes, I've had someone else um, <laughs> say so. I've had four people now. 
it is yeah. on iBooks as well, guys, um, if you're interested in getting it there. Um, and I think Book Depository as well. Um, so, and yeah, we'll all, we'll all put the pressure on the publisher to get that yeah. through Audible because I know a couple of people were like, I desperately want to listen to it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I, so I'm, I'm on Facebook. Um, if anyone, you know, wants to reach out to me, if you have any questions or anything like that, I'm always happy to chat. Yep. So your, your profile, your personal profile. Yes. Yep. Okay, so what I'll do is if everyone is in the All Things True Crime Facebook group, I will pop a link to Monique's page so that you can go and have um, a little look and you can add her as a friend or you can yeah. send her a nice respectful message. I'll just make sure <laughs> we say that. Uh, but thank you so much um, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, who was here for the live um, and thank you to everyone who's listening to the replay uh, I will be back in the next couple of days to sort of start fresh, start streaming again after my week off. Oh, thank you, Tori. Tori's just given a super chat and said, super proud of you, Bridget. Big week for you and great interview. Thank you. And thanks to Monique too. Thank you so much. Oh, thank, thank you. you. It's, been a, it's been a very, very rough week, <laughs> let me tell you. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to move forward, trying to move forward. So uh, I will be back in the next couple of days. I'm actually... Um, Monique, I actually bought a P.O. box and I'm going to start writing to some convicted criminals. Um, I'm mostly in America. Reading. I would love to hear how that goes. Well, I was actually thinking about today I was thinking about Vincent and I thought I don't think he'd write back, so I don't know if there's a point. I, um, I don't know that he would either, but, I, I don't. you know, possibly worth a try yeah i think that it would be interesting to talk to these people not that i condone any of their actions at okay. all it's more to sort of um see if they will give you sort of any information as to why these things happened but i think when it comes to vincent it's just that he's so very sick that's i that's think I that think. the um the reason for doing that is so that we can try and understand yep. what drives the criminal mind so that we can prevent it happening I think that's why we all love true crime. I think it's uh, not love, but we are genuinely interested is because of the why. Because yeah, we don't understand. That's that's what exactly. I think anyway. Yeah. All righty. Well, I'll let you go. Congratulations on your book coming out. Um, it's very exciting. And like I said, everyone, please go and pick up a copy. Um, grab it on Kindle or on iBooks. It's, um, it's only, I think, about $8, which is really reasonable and it's a really great read. And make sure you go and review it over on Goodreads as well because that really helps Monique out for other people to see what they review her book as well. So thank you, everyone, and I will see you.